Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. everyone welcome to the how to be great podcast and this is a little different today you might be just listening via your normal devices you might be doing your usual commute this might be part of your exercise regime but for some of you you're for the first time watching us we are now on youtube as well as on our different audio podcast places which means i've had to do my hair i've had to get my wrestling shirt on paul as usual hasn't really bothered he's wearing an ice hockey shirt again but uh, you know i try uh, so I'm, just so you know that, that I'm doing it for you, dear listener, and now, dear viewer. But uh, things are still the same. It's still the same format, and it's still the same two losers that are bringing the ideas to you. First of all, myself, Robert Nickel, and my old mate, he's over there, Paul Benson. How you doing, Paul? And the beauty is, Rob, I don't have to wear any pants, even when we're doing it on the video, because that's the way it goes. So, hello. Um, hello, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us again. It's, um, it's a bit weird doing this podcast on the video as well. It's, um, yeah. It's, it means I actually have to look at the screen and look lively rather than be staring all, <laughs> staring all over the room like I normally do. Well, this is one of my parts of my plan, you see. And my theory is that I think you're more up for the quizzes. When we do the quizzes at the weekend on a Sunday night, I think you're more up for that. You're, you're more competitive because you're trying to beat me at that and, and also the videos on. So I'm, I'm, my thinking is it's going to just raise your game. Ooh, okay. I'm also going to be aware of the fact that I move my hands constantly and I'm going to be doing this all the time and that's going to get quite annoying. Well, you'd be uh, pleased to know, please know, I, in my hallway right now, I've got a new office chair sitting ready to be assembled. So I will, I will no longer be squeaking my way through the podcast and the quiz with this old bugger. Not quite as squeaky as you used to be. Well, that's a, that's a good sign. Uh, for any of you that are new to this, perhaps you're new because you, you've come through the YouTube channel rather than the podcast. Uh, what this is all about is about what's our title, isn't it? How to be great. We look at wrestling. We analyze some quite small, nuanced aspects of the wrestling business. And we work out the greatest things. We have done already things like the greatest dropkick, the greatest opening two seconds of someone's theme music. We've done the greatest ladder match performer. We've done the best WrestleMania, if you count only the best two matches. We've done all sorts of things. In a minute, we're going to tell you what our, our winner was from last week's competition. Uh, but just to let you know, today in this podcast, we're going to be talking about a theme uh, to do with The Undertaker. It's on everybody's lips at the moment. The best documentary series you've ever seen concludes this weekend. We'll tell you in a second about Hooked on Wrestling's Undertaker weekend as well. But leading into that, we've decided to pick an Undertaker topic. We're going to be talking about The Undertaker's best five matches or his best matches outside of WrestleMania. Paul and I will come up with a shortlist of five and then we will put it over to you for a poll. We'll take the poll to decide uh, authentically, unofficially, but officially, the greatest ever Undertaker match that took place somewhere other than WrestleMania. That is the topic of today's poll. That is coming shortly. But firstly, Paul, I think we need to deal with the, the issue from last week, which was we talked about, and we went at length as well, um, but we talked about the who had the greatest impact 
on Impact. We went deep into TNA wrestling history and we discussed the people that had been the most important to that uh, company. Give us a little rundown of who the five we chose were and indeed the results of the poll. Yes, absolutely. So the five guys we chose were Hulk Hogan, Jeff Jarrett, Gail Kim, Kurt Angle and AJ Styles. And we should point out it wasn't necessarily for good or for bad. It didn't matter. They could have nope. had a bad impact. They could have had a good impact. It was just how to shape the company. There were the five people that we came down on. Um, if you're wondering why we left off certain people, why didn't we pick Samoa Joe? Why didn't we pick Dixie Carter? Well, listen to the podcast from last week. Our reasoning go. is all there. So, Paul, who's the winner? Well, I think for the first time, Rob, you know, we have been flummoxed by uh, by the listeners and the voters. We normally really know within, you know, at least two or maybe three of the top contenders and the rest are usually also rounds. We know where the winner's going to come from, from a, from pile of two or three. This week, the guy that just squeaked onto the list won it in an absolute landslide. I think there might have been a fav- bit of favoritism voting, but the winner with a redonkulous 66% of the votes was AJ Styles. Wow, that's pretty high. AJ Styles, the most clearly the man with the most impact on impact. Uh, my vote, Hulk Hogan, do you know what percentage he got? Go on. Zero. Clearly, I'm well, not th- that convincing. Do you know what? I, I think a lot of that comes down to the nuance of the question. I think people will be going for who do you like best in TNA? Do you know Absolutely. what I mean? I think that's kind of how that will be interpreted a little bit. In a, in a few podcast time, and it's quite a long way down the list in terms of our uh, when we actually get to it. It may even be December. I'm not sure. Uh, but we will be doing at some point a podcast about ECW. Basically, the question being who is Mr. ECW? Who most represents ECW? And I think that's going to be an interesting one. Because, again, we're not asking who's your favourite, but you could easily start rattling through people yep. who you would most associate with that company. So that, that might be a more of a the thing that we were looking for. But I think that's what people have done here. I think they have interpreted it as who do you most associate with TNA and who do you think of being the best thing to do with TNA? And I think they've gone for AJ Styles. On that front, I think that's hard to argue with. I think people's interpretation has been key here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you talk of what good has come from TNA, AJ Styles is probably number one on your list. So, and you know, he's the most he's most prominent of the guys still. I would say of, the, of those five guys on the list, he's the one that's there now. He's got the Intercontinental title on his uh, around his waist. In fact, won it as the podcast went out, basically. So, not a massive surprise in in recency bias terms, but. Yeah, first time, first time we've been flummoxed, mate. First time one of our choices failed to make the grade. Well, I think that, um, again, if you said the other four people, I think people would most associate Gail Kim with TNA. However, she was with WWE first. Jarrett, Hogan, Angle, do you know what I'm saying? They were WWE first before they were TNA. You know, and unless you count things such as, you know, the dying days of WCW or NWA wildfire. Mm. Then other than that, AJ Styles is a TNA guy, isn't he? So uh, in the same way that however much longer Bubba Ray Dudley or the Dudley boys were in TNA and WWE for longer, they're still ECW guys. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think AJ yeah, Styles yeah. will always be the, the TNA guy. So I think that's why he's won the sort of Mr. TNA crown as it were. Well, fittingly, because AJ Styles, it is very possibly, he was very possibly the last ever opponent for the undertaker there is speculation rife that when we watch finally watch the final part of the last ride documentary it will be all about the last ride it's called revelation 
is the revelation going to be that the Undertaker has officially retired as he called it a day on the Boneyard match? Who knows? Anyway, today's topic is going to be all Undertaker based. We will get onto that shortly. But first of all, Paul, we do need to talk about the fact that on hookedonwrestling.co.uk, starting from Friday, it is Undertaker weekend. I can't wait to share some of the content we've got with everybody. Absolutely. So if you're reading this on the 19th, the 20th or the 21st uh, of June 2020, uh, did I say reading? I meant listening. Whatever. You are, you're in the midst of Undertaker Weekend. If you listened to it before then, then it's Undertaker Weekend coming up this weekend. But essentially what that means, we are turning our website, we are turning all our social media over to The Undertaker. So breaking news. We're turning it black and purple. We are turning it black and purple, literally. So all our features, all our podcasts, all our quizzes, all our content will be all Undertaker all weekend. So if you are not a fan of The Dead Man, I would find another website for the weekend. I would find another place to consume your content because uh, we're going thick and fast on The Undertaker. Um, we, you know, it's the la- as you said, Rob, it's the last episode of the amazing, amazing last ride this weekend. And I am convinced, and I am not alone in this, um, that the big revelation teased in the title is going to be that The Undertaker has officially retired. I think I think I think, I think it's it. either it's either that or his last match is going to be dot dot dot. You know, Potentially, yeah. Because to me, if you're going to do that retirement, here's the thing: wrestling is all about. I mean, what, what if we've learned nothing else from watching this documentary? We have learned what a brilliant company man Taker is. You know, however, however many talking heads there have been with, say, Michelle McCool, his wife. What does she say the most often? She says, "If Vince calls, yeah. he'll be there." To me, everything in wrestling is all done to try and sell tickets. It's all trying to sell, uh, get uh, butts in seats. It's to get people watching on online, to, to buy pay-per-views, to spend money with the company, essentially. And to me, if you just come and go, that's it, he's retired, I'd be surprised. I think they might say, okay, we have officially made the decision. His last match will be at next year's WrestleMania. Or... Maybe, maybe even at SummerSlam. But to me, you retire at Mania. So Undertaker goes into the Hall of Fame. He goes into, he, he wrestles his last match, very much like Ric Flair. Yeah. You know, we have the Undertaker weekend becomes WrestleMania weekend. And you could do everything about WrestleMania could be all to do with Taker. Uh, that elevates whoever he wrestles against as well, especially if, it, like say for example, I know he's done Bray Wyatt, but say they did Undertaker versus The Fiend, for example. You know, that's a WrestleMania kind of match, isn't it? Like, that would help Bray that little bit, or whoever it might be that he, that he wrestles. So I think it could be that, but I, I, wouldn't, lay, I wouldn't lay your bet that it's, uh, uh, that it's, that it's the retirement, um, you know, admission rather than uh, revelation. Fair enough. Well, I think one, of the way, one way or another, you have to do yourself a favour. It drops at 3 o'clock on Sunday afternoon on the WWE Network. It's a very odd time to be premiering something, 3 o'clock on a Sunday. But it's been like clockwork, and I would well, urge I you to be there at the moment of. No, it's like 10 a.m. on in the States. 10 that's, yeah. that's odd as well. So, But I would mm. urge you to be at your screen at 3 o'clock on Sunday afternoon in the UK, 10 o'clock US time. Watch that show the moment it comes out. Um because spoilers are going to be involved, but I'll tell you something. If anyone's listening to this and then is planning to participate in our quiz on Sunday night, don't do so if you're not going to watch the last ride beforehand because <laughs> you are going to be spoiled. I'm giving you advance <laughs> warning. There it is. There spoils is, in there's, spoilers coming. There is no way we're going to get through that without uh, 
a spoiler or two. I think people must have worked out how to use their social media by now as far as their spoilers go. Uh, if you haven't participated in that, what's Paul talking about? The quiz, Sunday night, 8pm UK time, uh, is our quiz night. We've been doing the quiz for how many weeks now? About seven or eight, Paul? Maybe about uh, in, in its current form, something like that, yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, 20 questions. Paul does 10, I do 10. Uh, people come and join in, send us your answers. We mark them up. We managed to stretch 10 minutes of entertainment over an hour and a half period, but it is quite good fun. Uh, it's, it's more entertainment than it is a, a, a serious quiz, but it's a pretty hard quiz as well. So it'll, uh, it'll test you. You might learn some things. You might, uh, uh, well, hopefully you'll enjoy yourself. So we'll, we'll see you for the quiz as well. And one final plug before we get onto the meat of our podcast today. Uh, this is not the only podcast in town. Paul and I have been doing the Hooked On podcast for a little while in a couple of different guises, revamped for how to be great for the new website. Uh, but yep. we've brought a few other podcasts under our umbrella, as it were. And Paul's going to give you a quick little rundown uh, of what they're all about. I am indeed. So we have, well, we've got five podcasts at the moment, this being one of them. You're listening to it, so I'm not going to plug that one. Um, in no particular order, we've got Because WCW, which is Dean Ayers and Liam Happ, looking into WCW, funnily enough, uh, watch-alongs and dissections of Various good and bad shows from WCW history with their uh, trademark bit of humor. A few exclusive interviews thrown in there. They've had Jeff Jarrett. They've had the author of the Nitro book, Guy Evans. They've had Lady Blossom. It's a great podcast. I've seen a few people just this week tell us it's you know coming to their rotation since it started to be on Hooked on Wrestling, which is fantastic. Um, we've got Seconds Away, which is uh, Stevie Knight and Rich Young. Uh, two veterans of the British circuit talking to similar veterans of the British circuit, not, you know, the youngsters, more, some more, the older two, hearing the older guys, hearing some stories from the road. Um, they might not all be the most PG stories in the world, in the world, but yeah, hopefully a bit entertaining for you. And then we've got two podcasts from the States. We've got hot tag wrestling podcast, which is our look at the current scene, what's been going on on raw SmackDown, AEW this week. Um, and then we've got three beers deep, um, which is, Basically, two of our guys, Justin and Heather, uh, looking at old pay-per-views and old shows through the prism of uh, three beers. So uh, a, li a little bit buzzy on, a little bit, not drunken, but certainly a little bit of a, a buzz going on. Um, maybe some silly opinions and views on there, but all worth checking out. Um, you can get to those at hookedonwrestling.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Indeed, and you'll be able you to... Uh... Uh, see that at the bottom of the screen in just a second if Paul hits the right button, I'm sure. Uh, at any point, uh, worth going and checking it out, making sure you uh, you subscribe to all of There it is. Look at that. That's like magic. Like clockwork, and, uh, mate. For those of you that are watching, all we did all we did was change a crawler. It wasn't that exciting if you're, uh, if you're just listening. No, actually, no, we didn't. We had a huge wizardry. display, and this plane came through the air, uh, trailing the, uh, e the URL, hookedonwrestling.co.uk forward slash podcasts go there right now right i think it's time to start the show for real the undertaker let's uh, let's call him up shall we why not there he is everybody yeah. everybody hey if you're actually honest... listening and you're not watching uh mark calloway himself has just wandered into the room tipped his hat and then walked away again uh but uh um we're going to talk about the undertaker we could talk about the undertaker for a very very long time we could talk about the streak alone and talk about that for hours and hours and hours. But we're not doing WrestleMania. That's obvious. If we did the greatest Undertaker match of all time, let's face it, we're going to be doing WrestleMania 25, aren't we, with Sean? And there's going to be chat about Triple H, and there's going to be chat about Edge and whatever. But 
so many Undertaker great matches at WrestleMania. We've talked about them. You're going to see things about those on the website in the coming weekend. We thought we'd narrow the parameters a little bit. What is the best Undertaker match outside of WrestleMania? That is our task today, to talk about those, to narrow it down to five in particular. And Paul, if I may, unless you have anything else to say at the, at the outset here, I have one that I'd like to start the discussion on. Anything to bring up before we uh, get into the meat of what we're here for today? Not particularly. I will say that the, the depth of choices is a lot more is a lot more interesting than I thought. I expected us to be coming up with three or four choices and then stringing it out with a few more, but it's not the case. Uh, he's Mark Calloway has had a few corkers, hasn't he, outside of WrestleMania? Well, I'll tell you what I, what we are, what I often do. I'm just looking to my when when I switch my head over here, folks, it's because it's the angle that my uh, uh, my notes are on. But I have on my screen, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I have 10 specific matches on my shortlist. And I have another, which is a broader topic, as in uh, someone that I think we need to talk about. And I haven't necessarily got a specific match of that person in mind. So I've got at least 11 to get through. And I'm sure you've got a couple that I haven't. So there's plenty of, uh, plenty of chat. We need to get it down to five. So uh, I'm sure we will. Right. Here is where I want to kick things off, because it's if we don't mention it right from the top, uh, it is the absolute um, elephant in the room. Mick Foley, Mankind, Undertaker, Hell in a Cell, Discuss. I am talking about the famous one. Mick goes off the top through the announce table. Back they climb again. He chokes Lamb through, through until the floor. Concussions, teeth hanging out of his face. People trying to patch him up. Terry Funk taking chokeslams, blah, 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 blah. Yep. Go on. What are your thoughts before we kick well, off? Where, where does it stand for you? My thoughts, as you know, echo yours. And we are going to get roasted by a certain certain segment of the audience for this. But that is not a wrestling match. That was a phenomenal moment, a phenomenal bump, a phenomenal angle. But as a wrestling match, there was nothing to it at all. So, um if you're looking at Undertaker iconic moments, it makes the five unquestionably. If you're looking at Undertaker matches, it's not even in the discussion. I agree. And I wanted to bring it up at the start. I think I knew what you were going to say and you would know my feeling on it, such as our simpatico sometimes when it comes to uh, these things. But there absolutely will be some of you going, oh, but it was amazing. What an unbelievable thing. And he came off the top. And certainly Paul has said in previous weeks, wrestling is not about, you know, it's not about wrist locks into drop toe holds into whatever. It's about crowd reactions, which is why you'd have a, say, a, a Rock versus Hogan at WrestleMania above a, you know, Dean Malenko versus Psychosis match from WCW Nitro. <laughs> However, this is different. This is very much a stunt show. But what I think we can do is I think we can find five matches that are great matches and it stands up to, even if we allowed this for this topic of discussion, even if we allowed the Hell in the Cell match to be as part of the five, I am confident that we can find five better. So oh, I don't of course, think it, of course, it becomes a problem. Because obviously technically it is a match, you know, there was a bell rung and someone got pinned and win. So it's, it's absolutely valid for the comparison, but easily we'll find five better matches. We might not find five better moments, but we'll definitely find five better matches. Yeah. So apologies uh, if that was where you were going to go with it. That would just mean what we have is we have a, uh, we put it out to you guys to mention matches. I've got plenty of matches that people have mentioned, which we'll rattle through 
uh, as well as the ones that I've got on my shortlist. Paul and I have, have the prerogative of having our five, but then it does go back over to you. So it's various levels of democracy, but we do get there in the end. Um, but I definitely wanted to start with that because it's, if we don't mention it right from the very start, people are going to talk about it. Um, so following on from that, because to me, if, you, if we were doing Undertaker's greatest rivalries, which was what I thought we could, you know, that was originally what I was going to pitch for this um, particular topic. It was going to be who was Undertaker's greatest opponent rather yep. than greatest match. What was his greatest rivalries? I personally would have Mick Foley right up there. I thought it was the turning Question point for me. Undertaker. I thought Undertaker went from the very two-dimensional, admittedly very over, but very two-dimensional zombie, and then Mick Foley brought out the best in him. Because up until that point, Undertaker was the superhero, wasn't he? He wrestled everyone that was bigger than him or stranger than him. You know, it was Kamala, and it was King Kong Bundy, and Giant Gonzalez, and Yokozuna, or IRS, but Mabel. It was, it was the big guy. It was the, it was, he had to slay them all the time. And then along came Mankind, and it was this psychological threat, someone that could wrestle, someone that could take him somewhere else. And here's the other thing, Undertaker got beat. Undertaker oh, yeah. was vulnerable. They let Mankind get inside his head. I love that to death. Forget the Hell in a Cell. That had gone by then. The, the, the great rivalry was over by then. That was just something they went back to to fill a place on the card while I believe the main event was Kane and Austin. Yeah. Um, in terms of the original rivalry, is there a match that we can take from that? Because I'll be honest, I don't have Mick Foley versus Undertaker on my list. No, but no, nor do I. Is there a particular match that stands out? I don't think there is, in actual fact. I, I agree with everything you said about Mick Foley. I think he made him vulnerable. He made him human. Um, That's a good, he, yeah, human. He, he, brought, you know, he brought everything out of Taker, which then allowed him to go on and do what he did afterwards with his great mania opponents and stuff. Um but there's no great standout match. Um, maybe because they had their rivalry before Mick Foley had really found his feet in WWE. I don't know. But, you know, there were three very good matches, or good matches at least. So what you got, you got the SummerSlam match, which is the Boiler Room Brawl. Um, you've got the Survivor Series match, which was straight... Oh, it was the Paul Bearer in a cage, wasn't it? Um, and then I believe you got the Buried Alive match... I'm not sure where that but, came on the. Uh, that came after the two, didn't it? That, that came was after towards the two. That yeah. was towards the end. I think. I think there's another. There's another one in there and in your house, which was the one where they couldn't get the. Do you remember they couldn't get the flash paper to work? Oh yeah, yeah. So whilst I would, I think it was a phenomenal feud, and the matches did what they needed to do. They serviced the feud, uh, but but no, you know, there's no match of the year contenders. What are you doing? I was, I was just, sorry, I was just playing with my settings. Carry on. Oh, God. You can't play with yourself. You've got no a camera one on you. But yeah, I think there's no, there's no match that I would consider uh, between Taker and Foley. And that is not a knock on either of them. They were brilliant together. Um, just match quality and exciting in-ring action wasn't part of the equation. I think match quality was good in terms of, I think what I will say is that we're, we're talking here, we're talking 1996, aren't we? Yes. That's Mankind's debut weather. All of the matches that I've got on my list are from 1997 onwards. I don't have anything 1996 or pre. So all of the iconic early Undertaker stuff, it's iconic to his brand, to his identity, to his character. But we're talking match quality here. And it's not for a second to say it wasn't important when he wrestled Hogan or Jake Roberts or whatever. But we were talking, the, you know, the, the, the undead zombie trying to wrestle people. So 
the, the, the idea wasn't match quality until later. I think it was one of the things that Undertaker will, you know, most credit Mick Foley for is allowing Undertaker to be changed. And I think, again, if we were plotting the, the history of Undertaker, one of the most important things would be Paul Bearer leaving him, yep. you know, for Mick Foley, because that also became Undertaker being allowed to be human and, you know, shedding a tear at bear, no more Paul. And, uh, you know, that was a big, big thing in, in the uh, in the progression of the character. But again, we're talking match quality. It's not really anything there. Nope, agreed. Uh, possibly his most important opponent, character-wise, in-ring action, uh, not on the list. Yeah, if, if it was important, if it was um, importance, I think we'd be talking right up there. Yep. Uh, right, I said 1997. Um, I'm going to jump to the middle of 1997. And I, what I like to do on these podcasts sometimes is to try and find a match, which I think is really, really, really good or a, a topic of the five, which is really, really good. And I think some will get above it, and I think some will be below it. It's kind of our benchmark. Can we get five mm. to beat this? And I am going to put up, which I think is the first great Undertaker singles match. Uh, and I, when I say that, I mean 1v1. And I am going to say Undertaker versus Bret Hart, SummerSlam 1997, I believe is the first great Undertaker match in a one-on-one. I think it's no surprise that it was Brett that he wrestled. Brett was the kind of person that could get those matches out of people. Um, you had, the, you had in Shawn Michaels as the referee, the twist at the finish, all of that. Uh, I think it's an exceptional match. And I think it's an Undertaker's first great match. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it was a really good match, a pivotal match in a lot of ways as well. Um, both in the career of the Undertaker and the other two guys um, in the ring. So Brett, his opponent, Sean, the referee, um, told a brilliant story. Um, I love it when you've got a methodical big guy dominating a sneaky, smaller heel, especially one like Brett Hart, who really knows how to play that character and really knows how to look strong, but also make sure you know that he's taking shortcuts um, where he can, because it makes... Do you remember that match? I haven't watched this match for about three or four years, but what really struck me is how the match built to the story at the end, because obviously the story at the end was, um, it was take us where it was short. Hang on, who swung the chair? Sean swung the chair, hit taker. Yeah, that was yeah. right. Okay. Um, but what, and he built... wasn't allowed to get involved. Sean was not allowed no. to get involved in the match. It was, he was, I think, wasn't it? If Brett lost, he would never wrestle in the States again. Correct. And if, and if Sean and if, didn't if Sean got involved, call it down the middle. Yeah. 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 So what I really liked is it built Undertaker's frustration. So like, you know, you got the impression very much so that one-on-one, no shenanigans, no cheating, Taker ends Bret Hart in that match. But it was constant little bits and pieces where he was winding up Shawn Michaels to distract him so he could take advantage of Undertaker. And you could feel Undertaker's frustration level rising. And that's what Bret did the best, in my opinion. You know, you've got guys that are better at most aspects of wrestling, most individual aspects of wrestling. You can find guys that are better. The one thing I think Brett does better than anybody else is tell a coherent building story um, between those ropes. And that is what he did. He led that match, presumably as the ring general, to a conclusion. They knew that they had to get to a point where Undertaker was so pissed off and so angry that this finish made sense, especially what was going to come afterwards with his um, feud with Shawn Michaels. And they did it perfectly. I thought it was a wonderful match. I wouldn't. I, I disagree slightly that it was Undertaker's first great singles match. I think he had three excellent matches on pay per view that summer. 
Um, and that was the second of the three. Uh, but but it was a very, very, very good match and definitely one I'd like to put forward. Okay, well, I think, I'm, I, think I might know where you're going with the other one. I'll, I'll address it in a minute. Mm. Um, the funny thing is, when you started talking about that and said Undertaker is the big dominant force and Brett is the sneaky heel, I instinctively went, Brett wasn't a heel in that match. Brett wasn't a heel. And, of course, I remember that that's during 1997. I can't associate Bret Hart as a heel. It's, it doesn't compute right. with my brain. To me, the Hart Foundations were the baby faces. Austin was a heel. Michaels was a heel. Wow. LOD were a heel. Goldust was a heel. I was so firmly a Bret Hart and, and Ergo, Davey and Owen and so forth guy. I was such a staunch. To me, anywhere outside of America... The Heart Foundations were baby faces. Oh, I was, I was, I was very anti Heart Foundation. I thought they were the heels all the way through for me. Um, yeah, you've and all, I loved it. You've always loved been it. a bit of a closet yank, though, haven't you? You've uh, been, look at you with your jersey on now, giving it. Oh, I'm a, I'm a yeah, baby. yeah, guilty, mate, guilty, guilty, guilty. It's always charged. been. That's always been you. Although I, cho- I choose to think that the reason you're wearing your New York Rangers uh, ice hockey shirt today uh, is in. Uh, honour of the great Ted Irvin, who used to play for the New York Rangers, didn't he, in Madison Square Garden? Totally uh, father of Chris Jericho, who uh, there's a rather excellent piece just on the Hooked on Wrestling website about. That uh, must which be is it. the third part of the uh, Barbershop trilogy. I assume that's where you've uh, got that one from. But that's we'll totally that it. We'll, pl- yeah. we'll, pl- we'll plug that later. Uh, okay, what's your other match that you're talking about in 1997? I think I know what you mean. I have got one on my list. I have got one that is pre SummerSlam. I, it's not a 1v1, which is why I didn't mention it first. But uh, Okay, it, right, it, okay. Is it the same one that we're thinking of? What, what are you I'm not sure. So the first, no, the first one I've gone is, is one-on-one. It's, um, I, I, I do know what you're thinking, actually. I, I've just, it's just twig. But no, the one I'm thinking of is, is just a month before, the first one, a month before Canadian Stampede against Vader. Oh, okay. um, the world title match against Vader. Um, superb. You know, there's no bells, no whistles. Not a huge amount to say, really, in, in terms of analysis. Just a really good big man world title match. It was for the belt. Both guys were going for the belt. And it was just it's just a really good match. Um, and on a similar vein, the third part of that sort of trilogy of summer matches was the uh, was the rematch with Bret Hart at one night only. Um, oh, okay. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, in Birmingham. Uh, a bit of an underappreciated classic, really. I'm sure most people have seen it, but maybe not remembered it because it was kind of just a throwaway world title match on the undercard of a British pay-per-view. So it's not exactly high profile, but it was brilliant. It was so good. You had Taker as the chasing, chasing the champ, um, Brett instead. Um, and again, the frustrations came out. He was, he was winning and he was, he was dominating until Brett Hart got him to lose his cool. And then he, he took him out. Uh, he, he found a way to to win, and again, just a really good character-driven in-ring match. I'm not so sure I'd have it on my final five, but absolutely well. You know, just shows how good Taker was in 1997. You know, you're going to talk about the final four match he had um, in February. Um, there's the Stone Cold Steve Austin match right after WrestleMania. Um, there was that wonderful five-star classic at WrestleMania 13 against Psycho Sid in the main event. Uh, when a match is more famous for one of the participating shitting themselves, you know, you're probably not putting on any uh, best match lists. Um, but yeah, just an all-round tremendous 1997 he had, really. Yes, I, uh, I, I had missed off the, uh, the, the the WrestleMania 13 match. It slapped my hand for not remembering <laughs> that one, but... Uh, I didn't have that. Yeah, I did want to mention the final four. Um, I don't. I wouldn't have final four above 
Take a Breath from SummerSlam. Uh, I personally wouldn't put any of the ones that you mentioned above Take a Breath from SummerSlam, but they're very, very fair ones to, to mm. chuck into the mix here. I do agree. Um, I think we're more talking about the, you're more talking about the broader question of Undertaker starting to have good matches yeah. you, rather than them being Absolutely. higher up on the list. But yeah, final four I've got, I've got written down and I think it's been one of those matches that's been forgotten for a long time. And then I think a lot of people have started to, uh, it's something in horse racing, which is something I follow a lot. You'll often get something which is referred to as the wise guy horse. So it might be a, a horse that's sort of six or seven to one that someone goes, actually, if you look at his form, he's beaten that horse and he came second in that race and he did this. But you get lots and lots of people start to say it. And then suddenly that race, that horse contracts down to three or four to one and it no longer be, becomes the clever wise guy pick because there's so many people picking it. And I think final four has stopped being underrated because lots of people are now saying it's underrated so mm. much to the point where it is, well, rated. Rated, yeah. Um, but it is a good match. It's, in fact, it's a very, very good match. There's an argument to say it's the first good multi-man match in WWE. I think we've talked about that before. Yeah. How many matches that were more than just one-on-one? I can't even think of too many triple threats before then, but this is a, you know, a four-person match. I think it was even an um, uh, elimination match, wasn't it? They went down to two. So it was. A yep. very, very different match for the, uh, for the era, but beautifully conceived, really well put together. And again, by four... You, you would imagine, wouldn't you, the, you've got four very, very strong talents in there with Brett Undertaker, under, uh, Brett Undertaker, Vader and, and Stone Cold. So, um, you know, a, a great mix of people. Would How high would you think you would have final four? Is that going to be a contender or is um, it just going to be one of those ones that's pretty good but not quite good enough? It's hard to say. Let's, we'll, we'll, we'll see where it lands, but I think it definitely deserves putting on the list. It might get knocked off. I think it slightly loses points and it is a four-man match because, you know, in broad sense, Taker can only take 25% of the credit. Um, and that seems a bit silly. But if you're going, if you're, you know, if you're allowing multi-man matches that Taker was a part of, again, I'm, I'm probably taking it to the extreme, but I would stick, stick Royal Rumble 1992 um, on the list if we were to do that. And I'm not saying for one second that he had as big a part to play in the Royal Rumble 92 as he did in the Final Four, but he certainly wasn't the man. That wasn't his match. Um, he played a part in that match, but it was a role and it wasn't to highlight him. So when you're talking about taker matches, I think that maybe suffers um, because of I take it. your point. You're sort of saying best match he was in, aren't you there, in terms of 90 yeah, 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 exactly. He was in that match. It was a phenomenal match. It was in my top 10 matches of all time list that I put on the uh, website the other day. But oh, do you consider it as, a, uh, as an Undertaker match? Of course not. Because he's one of 30 Definitely. guys in there. Yeah. Um, and I think, obviously, I'm not comparing like for like with the final four. But what I am saying is if that match was four guys built with Undertaker, you know, as the focal point of the story, then I think it gets more consideration. As it were, Vader and Taker were making up the numbers, as it were. It was about Bret and Austin. So it's, it's, it's their match with Taker and Vader playing roles. So I think for that reason, I wouldn't, put it on this specific list as highly as you would you know general greatest match list if that makes sense no it does it does okay i'll tell you what then let's go there it's a match that i wasn't going to go to just yet but since you brought up rather unexpectedly 1992 uh i'm going to take us forward to 2007 okay undertaker wins the royal rumble Mm. where does that fit in it's a good rumble there's plenty going on in it and not only that it's, I think, undoubtedly the best final 10 or 15 minutes 
of a wow. Royal Rumble because what essentially happened is 28 other guys did their bit and got out of the way and an Undertaker and Sean had a match. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, yeah. I mean, it was however many story, years it? before. It was two, was it two years before their uh, Mania match? It would have been 2009, would uh, the Mania yeah. match? So it's two and a bit years before they wrestled at WrestleMania, but it's a little precursor. It's an, if you don't remember it, you know, go back and watch it. I'm sure they go at least 10 or 12 minutes, just the two of them. Um, mm. Almost a one-on-one -on -one over the top contest, which obviously Undertaker prevails in. So, a uh, Royal Rumble, yeah, sorry, go on. A, a Royal Rumble wouldn't necessarily be, you know, off of this list. I take your point about 1992 because it's not about him, but 19, 2007 is about him. Mm -hmm. Well, certainly about him and Sean. Yeah, yeah. Is it is it there for consideration? What do you think? Yeah, ab absolutely. I'd say by that very same logic, it was it was about him. You know, it was a good rumble. It was better for those last two. It was. It really was just to do something different, wasn't it? The whole setup for the Rumble was, like you said, get 28 guys out there and let's have a match. We'd never seen that before, and I don't think we've seen it since. Mm. I don't I don't think it's that great. I think it's really, really good. But um, if we're talking, is it a pivotal Undertaker match? Would it be part of an Undertaker list? I think it qualifies more than the other two matches you've just mentioned. Whether it gets their own quality, I don't know. I'll be honest, I haven't seen it for a while, so I can't remember. I wasn't expecting you to, expecting you to mention that. But um, but it was about him, and that does make a big difference when, when you're looking at great career matches. Okay, well, uh, since we've done quite a bit of 1997, um, it seems right to, to round that off. And I think probably the first lock, if you want to call it that, of this discussion... Um, we've already talked about one Hell in the Cell thing with uh, Mankind coming off the top. But for everything that happened in the very first Hell in the Cell match, I think that's the kind of match where if Michaels hadn't have come off the side of the cage through the table, if Kane hadn't have come out and pulled the door off at the end and done what he did, it still would have been a great match. It still would have been an all-time classic. Those extra things lodge in the memory. But if you just go and watch, it's essentially half an hour of the two of them having a ball isn't it yes yeah absolutely it's um they're clearly having a wonderful time with a match type that has never ever been done before aren't they um they are the the possibilities in that cell when you know you know it's like now you know you've got to do so much to stand out in a hell in a cell match to the point that most don't even bother how many hell in a cell matches now are just matches that happen to be surrounded by the steel um, way too many, but back then it was their playground and they used it so, so well. Um, and it was, it was a storming match. Yeah. The angle at the end, if anything takes away from it, um, as a match, it doesn't really would be massively picky to say that because it's, it was an important part of the story and we're not that nerdish, but, um, well, it was a wonderful am. match. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, on, on this occasion, I don't think it takes away because it plays into Sean's character of getting away with it. Undertaker can't get to Sean. In this whole run, Undertaker can't get to him. He can beat him up, but Sean prevails always. And it happens again at the Rumble because Kane has his mates come out and, uh, you know, oh, sorry, what am I talking about? Sean has his mates come out and try and beat Undertaker up like Yoko did. And then Kane makes the save, but then puts Undertaker in the coffin, sets it on fire. So Undertaker never got to Sean. That's kind of the whole point of that story. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so Kane coming out at the end actually helps it. The one match that I always come back to, and you know this, 
the match that I always come back to where the end ruins it is the main event of WrestleMania 17. Is the I can't put Rock Austin as the best of their three matches at 17. It's yeah. probably the technically the best match up until the end, but I hate the finish. I think it doesn't make any sense. It's not satisfying. It didn't work. And so grading it through history, I have to grade that down because I think it's a bad finish. And the finish is the most important part of a wrestling match. So if you don't get it right, then, you know, one of the reasons Brett Austin is one of the greatest matches of all time is because of the finish. Yes. Not the, the, match, the build up of the match is great, but that finish is so different. The sharpshooter, the blood, under, uh, Austin passing out but not giving up, Shamrock getting involved. That is the match. Yep. Everything else is foreplay, but that's the match. And so, so many other matches do have lots of great stuff, but then. I have to take stuff off for someone holding onto the ropes or someone else interfering because it does change how pure it is. Yes, it makes me a nerd. Yes, it makes me a geek, but I don't care. That's what we're grading stuff on. But on this occasion, the, the enormous shock of Kane coming out and what he did to the match, it doesn't actually harm it. Oh, it doesn't because I mean. you have to look at it in history. In history, Kane got over. Michaels was over. It furthered the storyline. It helped everyone's character. It helped Hell in the Cell. You know, it, it, it's okay. Wrestling is not two men pretend to fight for 25 minutes and then one beats the other. It is reactions. It is story. It is everything. But in terms of matches, I do think having a credible ending usually uh, is important. This is the exception that proves the rule. Yeah, absolutely. And look, it goes on the list, doesn't it? There's not really... Uh... There's not really much argument There's that no this debate. is going into five. Um, I just the only debate is whereabouts in the five it is. Mm-hmm. A phenomenal match. Right. Is it time to bring out the big guns? Yeah. Is go it on. time to discuss one of Undertaker's greatest ever opponents? One of the most naturally talented men ever to step in a wrestling ring. There he is. Look, there's the big guy. For those of you that are watching, <sighs> who's that Paul? That's El Hagente! There he is against Undertaker. Look at them Look, look at them facing off there. I love these oh. wrestling because I didn't look know out, you had all the these figures that you keep bringing out. I've got lots of them. We'll, we'll have a special one day about the figures. But there's yeah, my, that's that awesome. That is my El Hagente figure, which the, the commentators in uh, WCW never said right. They called him El Hagente, which is essentially Spanish for elegant, which he bloody was not. But uh, El, no. H- El Gigante, meaning the giant, which... Uh, did I get uh, it right it was, then, or did I get it wrong? You were close. You were close. But I'll to be fair to you, you said it very much like they used to say in WCW, which is not really right. Um, but anyway, I'm only joking, folks. I don't really <laughs> want to discuss Giant Gonzalez. Although I did think that was a funny moment. Did you notice in the fourth episode of the Undertaker documentary when Taker oh, was talking John about Gonzalez one more Jr. Match and, and Vince said he'd found Giant Gonzalez Jr. Brilliant. <laughs> best moments of Vince showing humour I've, I've ever seen. Absolutely but, uh, loved it. Uh, right, okay, let's, where, where will we go next? Funnily enough, I've got matches from 1997, and then my, I, my next couple of matches are from five years later. I don't have right. anything in 98, 99, 2000, 2001. Now, there is an okay. era, there's an era of WWE, which is undoubtedly the most successful ever, which is 98, 99, 2000. I don't think anyone would disagree with me that the most financially successful Rate financially, ratings, merchandise, ticket sales, most over superstar Austin is those three years. But you do really, really well to find great matches 
from that era. It wasn't about matches. It was about story. It was about character. There were some good matches in there. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. the greatest matches of all time didn't take place in the greatest era of all time. It's, it's just the way things were. Um, but I, my next trip is to 2002. So what I'm saying is if you have anything in between that you would like to offer, there's, speak now or forever hold your peace. Yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple, actually. One that's uh, maybe one that's given too much credit uh, and one that's not given enough. Um, the one that's given maybe too much, I think, is the uh, main event of SummerSlam 1998 uh, against Steve Austin. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Very good match. Very good match indeed. Um, uh, no complaints about it. You know, obviously, they they, they weren't, maybe didn't quite reach the heights because of uh, Austin getting knocked silly uh, when, when Taker put him through the announce table fairly early on. But it's still an excellent match between two guys who really wanted to beat the living daylights out of each other. But the other one, my look at me how cool and hipster I am, is from very late 2001. Um, I believe Vengeance in December. It was a hardcore title match against Rob Van Dam. Um, I'm aware of the one you mean. Just uh... after he turned heel. It was hands down the best hardcore title match. Um, that's like, you know, tallest dwarf and all that, but it was a really, really good match. Taker really coming into his own as that big nasty heel with Rob Van Dam throwing everything at him and getting swatted. Brilliant match, really unique, a unique match, a unique presentation and a new way of looking at Taker. I loved it. It's not on the five, but I didn't want it to go un unmentioned. No, it's a fair, it's a fair point. I'm sure someone mentioned that. I'm just going to try and quickly look at the, um, the responses that we have, I think, because I think someone mentioned that when we, uh, we, we put it out for uh, responses. I'm just flicking through. We had, we did have a hell of a lot of uh, we did suge indeed. suggestions this week, and so including a few people go ha ha ha. Yes, the re the matches with Yokozuna, brilliant, and the uh, the matches they had with in in Saudi Arabia with, with Goldberg and with DX, ha ha ha. But um, uh, I, well, I can't find it, but I'm sure someone mentioned there. Mention that match. I would almost put that in. Here's the first big football reference of the week. Um, I would suggest that it is a bit like being the best player in the championship, that match. I think because the hardcore title matches generally were just what they were, just full of smoke and mirrors. Um, the fact that it was something different and it was fun and it involved Taker, you wouldn't expect to be there. I think it kind of goes into that category of it's great because you weren't expecting it to be great. Do you know what I mean? It's like if it had been just yeah. a match that two of them had had, you'd go, that's pretty good. But the very fact that it's a bit forgotten suggests that it didn't resonate with enough people, possibly because it was on a bit of a B pay-per-view, possibly because Van Damme was kind of in a strange place at that point. He was very, very, very beloved by ECW fans, but hadn't really, really cottoned on yet in WWE. He wasn't far away from being so, but... Did you see what I mean by that? I think it just falls into yeah. a little bit of a hinterland. Um, it's a good point. I hadn't thought... Well, I I did think of it when I was going through his matches um, over the last couple of days and doing some prep, but I didn't think to put it on my list. But I, I, I do think it's one that is uh, that is worth a mention. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, look at that. Just as we're talking, I've had the preview clip from The Last Ride, Chapter 5, come into my inbox from WWE. Isn't that nice? Similar stuff. Expect that. So by the time this podcast goes live, you'll be able to see... Uh, a nice preview clip of that one on hookedonwrestling.co.uk and Indeed. no doubt through our uh, social media channels, which will probably appear on one of those little things at the bottom of the screen at some point during this pod. I'm sure they YouTube. will. Uh, right, let's move to uh, 2002, um, where I've got three matches 
uh, down. I'm not absolutely certain of the complete order of play in terms of which was before the others. But um, I'll okay. start. Well, I'll, I know which. T- I know two of them were together. I'll start. So I'll start with one of those. Uh, let's start with a match that was mentioned on this podcast a few weeks ago, because when we discussed the greatest ladder match performers, that particular poll was won Ooh, by Jeff yeah. Hardy. And in the Jeff Hardy chat, we very much brought up the match he had with The Undertaker on Raw. I can tell you it was July the 1st, 2002. It was Jeff Hardy versus Undertaker for the, uh, for the world title, uh, or the undisputed title, whatever it was called at the time. It was hanging from the, uh, from the ceiling in a ladder match on Raw, no less, not on a pay-per-view, on Raw. And it essentially was an Undertaker babyface turn. At that point, Undertaker was, even at the start of that, I actually watched this match last night, and Undertaker at the start of it is being described as the most evil presence we've ever seen in this company by Jim Ross, etc. By the end of it, he's shaking Jeff Hardy's hand, raising his arm, shaking his head as if to say, you are you know, one tough you know, son of an unnamed goat, as Roddy Piper used to say. Um, it, it's a great match. It really is a great match. And it's what you're talking about in terms of emotion. The crowd wanted Jeff to win so badly. They were so with Jeff. Undertaker made Jeff Hardy that night. Um, what do you think? Is it, is it, in, is it in the shake-up? Mate, it absolutely is. Um, to be honest, everything I said about the Rob Van Dam match applies to this one, but to a greater degree. It was a better match. Um, there was more accomplished by the match. And I think, I, it, to me, this goes on the five, actually. Well, I might be talked out of it later on, but this was a truly great match that also was pivotal to the careers of both men. And it's remembered phenomenally well to this day as one of the top matches in Raw history. So, yeah, like there's no reason not to put this in pencil, at least on the list. Great match. This once again plays into my thought of having a match is great. I was going to say anyone can have a good match. That's not true. No. But most most people can, you know, put together a very good match. And the, the top wrestlers in the world can you can just stick them together and they can have a great match. But when there's something on it, and when it achieves something, so this you know there was a title at stake here, uh, and what it did for Jeff and what it did for Taker because it t- changed Taker's character and allowed him to be a bit more of the, um, you know, the I was going to say oh. elder statesman, and I realised it was 18 years ago and he's still going, but that, that sort of, <laughs> you know that sort of absolute stalwart cornerstone figure, um, and so for what happened shortly afterwards, which is what I'm going to talk about next, it became more important for that. Um, so I think that ladder match achieved more than just being an entertaining, you know, 17, 18 minute match or whatever it was. Had both guys been a baby face and it had no titles on the line and they had exactly the same match move for move, I wouldn't Not include it. I no. wouldn't include it. It's all about context. Um, 20 days later, right. uh, at the Vengeance 2002 pay-per-view, uh, The Undertaker had a match with Kurt Angle and The Rock in a triple threat. Was that twenty? Was that only twenty days? Twenty later? days after the match with wow. Jeff Hardy, it okay. was that, it was that soon after, and so it sent Undertaker into it. The, the, the dynamics of the people in that match are very interesting because Kurt's one of those guys that people have always respected. They boo because they should, but they respect him. Rock, rock, superstar, main guy around at the time. No Austin at this point. You know, Rock yep. is being you know absolutely hailed, but he's just getting into his in, into his Hollywood stuff. Shortly afterwards, by the summer. Or by the, the following month, we'd be seeing the Rock Brock thing and Rock was getting booed. So Rock's in transition. And then you've got Undertaker 
heel up until three weeks earlier, babyface against Jeff Hardy. We go into this triple threat, which The Rock wins and wins the belt before going to lose to Brock Lesnar. Um, again, this is one I watched last night. It's, it is an unbelievably good match. And again, as a three-way, when you talk the greatest three-ways of all time, lots of things come up. And I don't think this one always does. But I, again, from watching it last night, recency bias you talked about earlier on in terms of AJ Styles, I have seen this match within the last 23 hours. But yep. goodness me, it's good. It is, of all the matches that we've spoken about so far, it's probably the best pure wrestling match. Yeah, agreed. Um, it's arguably the best triple threat match ever. There's a lot of good competition, obviously, but it's it's really, really good. Three, like, uh, there's not much more to add. I'm, I'm waffling a bit compared to what you've said because you've said everything I wanted to, but it's brilliant. Like, there's there's just and and all three guys play an equal part, which is the key thing. There's you know the stories intertwine, the action. It, there's no there's no standout star. Obviously, the Rock wins, and the whole idea is to get the belt onto Rock um, in type of SummerSlam. Yep, I think I think we've got another contender here. Yeah, I'm just looking to the reason I'm looking to the side. I'm just looking to see who uh, suggested it. Uh, James Billington was one. Uh, another one that comes to me here, Richard House, and uh, his words: the triple threat with Rock and Angle was very very good indeed. I remember the fans were kept on their toes throughout. Lots of believable false finishes, pin breakups due to the triple threat. Um, perhaps too much theft of signature moves, but I will forgive it. Yeah, that's the match. Undertaker did an Olympic slam on Kurt Angle in that match. Absolutely amazing. Um, and so that's, uh, that's one. And Ethan also loved the promo package, which featured the song Downfall, which served as the pay-per-view theme. So uh, it was something that, uh, that he brought up. Uh, and he also says that there was a match on SmackDown not long before that, where Undertaker defended the title and tapped out to Angle, putting him in the triangle as Angle got pinned at the same time. Um, so yeah, that was just before, and it's the reason Angle got added to that match. They worked to a, a, a double, a draw, basically. But it's all again interesting historically to see that it was Angle that had Undertaker in what became known as the Hell's Gate. Yeah, and I'm not sure Undertaker had used it at that point. Undertaker seemed to use it after that point, which is an, an interesting historical point. Fair enough. Yeah, no, absolutely on there, on the money, mate. Um, okay, so I wanted to do another match in 2002, but this is also going to bring us on to a more general topic uh, of the opponent. Uh, I've got down here as a match from No Mercy 2002, Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. Uh, Hell in the Cell again. Uh, but it's fair to point out Undertaker and Brock Lesnar have had lots of, lots of matches. Clearly, we're not including the one from uh, where the streak was broken because that's a WrestleMania match, but they have had matches around the era of 2002. They also had other matches after the streak being broken. Let's talk about Lesnar as a collective, as an Undertaker opponent. And would you agree that of all the matches to pick out, No Mercy is the one? Do you have a, an alternative, perhaps one from the more recent matches? Uh, no, no, no. No Mercy is the one. There's four high-profile matches, I think, between the two of them. There's the two in 2002. Um, and then there's the, there's the WrestleMania 30 and the subsequent Hell in a Cell match. I don't think there's any more. All very good. All well, the WrestleMania 30 match is not so much a good match, but obviously a, a hugely, hugely, Standout. hugely important moment. But the two, the 2002 match were, were better. You've got that, you've got that newly-ish turned babyface Undertaker, the whole big red respect type character coming up against the brash, young, powerful upstart Brock Lesnar, who's just won the world title in his rookie year. Taker wants to beat some respect into him, but he can't because Lesnar is the better man. Um, 
I think it did. I think it did absolute wonders for Brock Lesnar. In fact, I would go as far as to say, Undertaker has made Brock Lesnar twice. So, whilst Lesnar was obviously a big deal in 2002, he'd beaten The Rock at SummerSlam in, in dominant fashion. Uh, he'd beaten Hulk Hogan. He'd uh, he'd obviously laid waste to the undercard. The matches against Taker, in my mind, just t- just put him right over the top. It was it was the the way that the veteran anointed him the next the next guy next guy the next big thing. I, I've realised I'm using his I'm using his nickname there. I didn't really mean to, but I think it's so so important to get that seal of approval, not by beating Taker once, but by beating Taker twice um, in quick succession. He did that, and then again in in 2014, when Brock Lesnar came back, he was. He was not that impressive. Like he lost to Cena, he lost to Triple H. He was very, very much in danger of just being a guy. Did you think he was going to beat Taker at WrestleMania 30? No, 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 no. I, I did um, podcast over podcast over podcast saying I didn't like the build to this match because it was so obvious that Undertaker was going to win. Yeah, Undertaker's not going to. He's not going to lose to someone like Brock Lesnar because we don't know when Brock Lesnar's going to disappear. Don't forget, Brock Lesnar came back in like 2000 and what 12? 12, yeah. And, and at the time, we thought he'd be back for a year, maybe two. Yeah. Like, like no one suspected. You know, we thought it was going to be a Goldberg run, back for a year. We thought it was going to be a Batista yeah. run, in and out. It's, it's eight years on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And he's still around. Okay, he's not around every week. And I know people get frustrated of the, you know, him not being on the card all the time. But it's been eight years since he came back. That's, that's, that's an astonishing amount of time. And I, you know, so it was only a couple of years after that, which was the streak breaking. And I was basically at the point of thinking, you know, Brock's probably going to do. That's probably him done. I thought it was going to be a Ronda Rousey run that subsequently yeah, yeah, yeah. happened. That's yeah. what I expected to happen with Brock, and so I know I didn't expect it for the you know in the slightest. But while on that, both in terms of the streak and in terms of the 2002 stuff, I'll even include a little bit of 2003, which it was 2003 when Brock won the Rumble, right? Yes. So I would include yes. include that in Undertaker helping to make him because Undertaker being last to yep. get um, thrown out and he came back into the ring, do you remember? And he said to point it at Brett Brock and did the, you know, the strap motion, you better go yep. and win the belt. Yep. Um, all, in all of this, in particular, the match again, at No Mercy, which is the one we're focusing on. Is it a good match? Is it a great match? Or is it just good booking? Uh, in our minds, are we going, that's a great, is it a great moment? You know, the, I know that the blood stuff was as much with Hogan as anything else, but I still think of how bloody that match was and how dominant he feels over Undertaker. Um, but is it good booking and good iconography as opposed to a really great match? This well, I have to confess, I wanted to go and watch this match yesterday and I sort of ran out of time. I always go, as you know, you know, to me, the mark of a good match is how it makes me feel. How I get into it, how excited I am going in is obviously a, a mark of a good build. How excited I am during the match and how it makes me be absorbed into the match is the most important thing for me. And I remember watching this match. I remember back watching it in 2002 and I remember being absolutely compelled. There's more than one way of having a good match. And these guys told an amazing story about the young lion withstanding absolutely everything the veteran was giving him the, the bully, the, the boss of the yard, whatever you want to call him. And he could not be put down. And I thought it was a wonderful example of two guys going out and beating the living shit out of each other. And I like that sort of match. So I'm, I think it was a great match and great booking. I'm just, I was just checking to see if, how many people have, uh, uh, have gone with that one. And the one that jumps out at me on our uh, comments here uh, is Ryan Watson. 
who says, um, he said, I felt that they tried to ignore Undertaker versus Brock at No Mercy 2002 as if it ever, as if it never happened when they faced each other in the Hell in the Cell the second time. It, but it was, a, it, you know, that was still a great match. Um, and William Frost is someone that agrees that was a fantastic match. Andrew Thompson as well, I agree. Um, brutal, brutal, but great match. So several people did bring it up um, in, in the chat. There's more, more than just that one, but those, those are the ones that have jumped out at me. So I think it needs to go into our discussion. So there's about three or four in the discussion so far. Um, we've got some more to come, but I want to break off at this point. This is something we haven't done so far on the, uh, the podcast. I'm excited to be able to do this. Um, depending on when you are listening slash watching to this, uh, we've got a little competition for you. Um, which adds into the Undertaker theme of the week of the weekend. I will hand over to uh, to my good pal, oh, that way, um, um, Paul Benson, who is going to tell you a couple of things that we've got on offer. Excuse me, where you could win a competition, not just this week, but uh, going into the weekend. Have at it, Paul. Yeah. So we have teamed up with WWE Euroshop. I'm not going to say friends of the show because that's particularly wanky, isn't it? But we have teamed up with WWE Euroshop, who have given us some cracking undertaker merchandise um to give away so we're going to be doing that throughout undertaker weekend but as you listen to this if you listen to it when the podcast drops we've got a podcast we've got a competition running on our website if you go to the news section you'll see it pinned to the top um dead simple multiple choice question to enter but you can win a snazzy undertaker last ride t-shirt and an undertaker mug um all you have to do takes two seconds go to the website fill it out enter um and we'll pick the winner out of a hat on Saturday morning when we're in the midst of Undertaker weekend. So get along, hookedonwrestling.co.uk. It's there on the homepage. Just scroll down a little bit, and uh, and you're in. You're in for a win. Uh, so what's what's the deadline for entering then? Is it is it Friday? Friday, night Friday midnight. Friday midnight. So Friday eleven so fifty nine is, is essentially yeah. Yeah, which is what? What's what's Friday? It's Friday's the nineteenth. So yeah, Friday the nineteenth. The, the very, very last knockings of uh, close of, well, yeah, close of uh, the day on the 19th. Get your entry in by then. We'll draw it out and announce it Saturday morning on the website and on the social channels. Uh, but again, as Paul says, that won't be it. There'll be other giveaways uh, during the weekend. Uh, so just keep your eye out, basically, because we'll be telling you as you go. Uh, a massive thank you to WWE Euroshop, because these, are, these aren't some things they've had knocking around in the cupboards for a couple of years nope. and they're trying to get shot of. This is brand new stuff. Um, so we're really, really grateful. Uh, not only for that, but also for the uh, the uh, exclu- exclusive video clips they've been sending us. Uh, right, on to uh, some other uh, Undertaker matches from history. Um, I'm not necessarily going to go in a, in a particular order now. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm going to bring up another individual. I, I don't have a particular match down for this individual, um, but I do think he needs to be discussed. Um, I think perhaps the most surprising set of good matches, maybe great matches, that Undertaker had in his career was against Batista. I've always said that if you, if you wanted to say who is Batista's biggest, most important match against, it is absolutely him beating Triple H at WrestleMania because that made Batista. Yeah. I, I think Batista coasted a wee bit later on in his babyface run when he turned heel towards the end. Oh, some of the greatest stuff you've ever seen. But for yeah. a couple of years, I thought Batista was a bit of a, a cruising babyface. But what made him with Triple H... Uh, so what started to make him was with Triple H and what cemented him was working with Undertaker again and again and again. And they were fun matches. They were gripping. And more to the point, Batista got wins. And again, the credibility of beating Undertaker, not at Mania, admittedly, but winning it in SummerSlam. Did they have three? Did they have three matches? I want to say it was Mania, SummerSlam and one more. I'm not sure. I'll be honest. It, even, bit, might, um... it might even have been four. 
I guess my, my point is that I think the best of their matches was the WrestleMania one. And so it kind of holds me back in terms of offering something for this list. But I, if I watched it, I probably would, you know, would think about having the SummerSlam match that they had. There was certainly a very, very good second match, whatever uh, it was. I'm going to sort of put my hands up and say I'm not. My memory's a little bit fuzzy, and I too haven't had time to go and watch all the Batista matches. Wasn't expecting them to be brought up, um, so I, I don't. Have, I, I know the WrestleMania one very well, but obviously that's not part of the conversation. So I. And again, using the principle of the fact that we can't remember them, maybe they don't qualify for the top five. I thought they were very good. I think Batista got a lot out of them, but they're not massively, massively all-time greats. No, I think I probably agree with you. I just wanted to bring him up as a as a very credible, very strong um, opponent. I'm actually looking. I can't see that anyone uh, has brought him up um, specifically. Funny enough, one of the people in our uh, that's made a comment is called Dave Batista. Is he really? <laughs> Who knows? But he's he's even suggested an edge match, so it's uh, uh, it's not necessarily uh, one to bring up. But that's, again, at the same time, you know, let's bring up Edge. Um, is there a is there an Undertaker Edge match that deserves to be um, in the chat? Because again, I think I would say that their best match was at WrestleMania. That's not what we're doing here. But what about other Undertaker Edge? You're shaking your head. You're going to say, I think you're going to say One Night Stand, are you? No. Oh no. no. Okay, go on. No. TLC at SummerSlam. Okay. Phenomenal match. Excuse me one second. My family are home. Hello, Samuel. <laughs> so now we're going to get a run-in. It's a run-in. We're going to get a Samuel run-in. What have we got here? A bargain. Oh, a bargain. A shifty pen. Oh, a shifty pen. We've got a shifty pen, guys. Everyone, we've got Let's a shifty a pen. Can we, can we have a look? Can we have a look at your shifty pen? This is a podcast pen? extra for those yep. watching on YouTube. But you can stack pens. It's a shifty pen where you can stack the pens, oh, apparently. <laughs> there's a six-year-old boy who knows where a microphone is, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right, mate. Can you close the door and leave me to it? Is that okay? I will. Thank you. <laughs> say, say, say bye-bye, then. Um, bye-bye. <laughs> there's a boy that wants the limelight. Can you close the door, Fabulous. mate, please? Yeah, I've, yeah. I've told you before. I've told you before. What did I say to you about watching... watching? Um, wrestling with Samuel, it should be a podcast. Uh, what's our, what has our editor done? What has our website yeah, editor I done? Yeah, I know. Liam, is, Liam is doing a podcast with his daughter. It's not necessarily yep. about wrestling, but you know, it was that was your idea was there for you, and you've I not know. done it. So, I know. What I am mean, I doing? You, what am I doing? You only have about 17 different jobs that you're doing at the moment, including yeah, being dad. So, uh, I'll let you know. <laughs> anyway, good of Samuel to do a little bit of a run in, but I believe it we was. were talking about um, <laughs> Undertaker Edge from TLC. Yes, we were. Um, and it was the, you know, this match is thought to be the last one that marks the end of the Blood and Guts era, isn't it? The, the common thought is that this one was the last match before PG kicked in. Uh, and it was a big ass violent brawl. Um, we got some, we got a great, we, well, we basically got Edge destroying himself um, to make Undertaker look great. And, and he did just that. I thought it was, I thought it was the, it was a, a great feud capper. Um, remember there was that whole feud but he was basically taking on Edge and Vicky Guerrero and La Familia that summer and this was the end of that and it was it was Edge being sacrificed for our sins um, <laughs> and they've got great chemistry those two you know, always and obviously you know we've, as we've spoken about with Edge previously and with Undertaker today they do, they do these gimmick matches really well enjoyed it immensely um, and I think it deserves to go on the list as a capper, you know, an important match because it was the, the the last hurrah 
for what WWE used to be in that period. So I'd I'd consider it. Okay, that is down for consideration. Um, I had down here the uh, the match at, at One Night Stand was the one that I guess was the one the one that first came to me. But um, I wouldn't I wouldn't fight you on that. Um, I would say it's a it's a it's a fair shout. Uh, I've I've timeline wise I've gone past one. Um, Go on. It might even be the last one for me to mention. I think it is the last one to, for me to bring up. If you've got any more, I'm happy to hear from you. Uh, I would like to say simply Undertaker, Kurt Angle, No Way Out, 2006. Absolutely storming match. Um, just just amazing. You know, it was the, the whole idea that those two were just completely, completely evens. They were absolute equals, and it was it was there by the grace of God. That was the story, wasn't it? Like, who was the better man? It was on the day. Um, God, who won? I can't I can't remember who won. Now is it Kurt, Kurt Angle making Kurt tap did. out? The one one no, time he tapped pin. out was no, Kurt pinned him. No, Kurt was it right? Him. Okay, it was a he sort of it was a bit of a oh, I can't really describe it, but I think he was it. Well, I think he might have been in the Hell's Gate, and he sort of rolled that was through. It. Yeah, um, that and, was and, it. And trapped Undertaker. It's a, again, it gets extra points for me for having a, a not only a clean finish, a surprising finish because you probably not expect an Undertaker to just lose that way, but also an innovative one. That to me was right out of the Bret Hart playbook. Bret, yes. the, Bret was amazing at finding a finish. You know the 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 flip backwards finish he did with Piper, and then they recycled for Austin at, at Survivor Series. But, you know, the King of the Ring is a classic thing for Brett. You know, the three different matches he managed to have. Yeah, that yeah, day. absolutely. Um, Brett, Brett was the absolute... Oh, look at the, the finish he did with Owen when he lost to Owen at WrestleMania. Brett could come up with a finish like nobody else. Uh, the Agreed. best finish wrestler best finish wrestler of all time, apart from Ludwig Borger. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it was something Brett was able to do. And it, it struck me that, um, that Kurt learned something from that. Or I would imagine it's probably Undertaker's finish. Why don't you roll me up this way? Um, I've always thought it showed that Undertaker had huge respect for Kurt, that they had a match in that style. Um, the Undertaker, by the way, if Undertaker doesn't want to lose, Undertaker doesn't lose. Okay, I know he's a respected professional and would do what he's told. I know he would do toe Vince's line, but let's face it: if Undertaker really doesn't want to lose to someone, he's going to go, "Come on, Vince," and you can, he can yeah. get a finish change. And I can't imagine Vince would just go, "You're losing clean tonight." I think there'd be a discussion. Are you happy to lose clean to Kurt Angle? Absolutely, boss. And that's Straight what Kurt up. meant to that company in that era. I think this is probably my favourite of all okay. of these matches. I think if this was a, a, a Rob Chooses um, game, I think I would probably pick this as number one because I love a proper wrestling match. Not many of the ones that we've talked about here have nothing else going on. It's not a criticism, but we're talking Hell in a Cell matches. We're talking uh, ladder matches, TLC matches. Okay, I don't think they've really come up in the conversation, but Undertaker has had casket matches. We're having triple threats and final fours, and we're having so many different types of matches. Undertaker sometimes needs a bit of something different to add, add to it all, to add to the, the mystique. But this is a match. This is 1v1. Even the one-on-one with Brett has un- as Sean as the, the referee. But this is just two men having a wrestling match. And it's astonishingly good. Uh, this is probably the one. I know I, I, they do this on other podcasts, but if they say if you want to listen, if you want to watch one match this week coming out of this podcast, don't go back and watch ones that you've seen lots and lots of times before. If you haven't seen this one for a little while, or perhaps you've never seen it, 
oh, I urge you to go and watch this. It's just, it's, it's almost faultless. It's a beautiful match. It's pro wrestling at its finest. It's two great guys um, who clearly have the utmost respect for each other at the top of their game, putting on a wonderful, wonderful match. I would not argue with you putting this top of the tree on this one. It might not make it for me, but it's going to be close. I think it's tremendous. Kurt Angle's my favourite of all time. You know, put him in there with a prime motivated undertaker. And yeah, it's stunningly good. I think I know what will win this, but um, this would be my number one choice, put it that way. If I have any sway with everybody, anybody, I would say before you vote, go and watch this and uh, seriously think about it uh, as being um, a choice. Before we start to get into a few... Uh, things I want to read out from social media or uh, and trying to get into our top five. Anything else from you, Paul, that uh, you think I've egregiously left out? It's interesting that almost everything I had is, is, to, is pre-2009. I don't have anything from the last 10 years. That's possibly because almost all of Undertaker's matches have been at WrestleMania and that doesn't fit into our bracket. That's but exactly it, isn't it? Do you have something else to add? No, not really. He had a period where he was just on fire and that was around this time when he was more human. There's no, you know, he had that sort of motivation or whatever i don't know or just the right opponents as you say since then he's become a wrestlemania attraction primarily um and obviously some of the very best work of his career from 2009 onwards but it, we can't talk about any of it in this context because it was all all wrestlemania so no um i think we've covered absolutely every match i wanted to cover uh any egregious uh omissions in terms of opponents obviously we've not talked about kane Kane um, is the one, isn't it? I don't think anyone would really, I don't think, believe that you've ever seen a, an all-time classic Undertaker-Kane match. I do think someone mentioned the Inferno match. No. Let me, let me bring that up as a... Cave. Uh, as um, someone, Kane, uh, Darren Robinson said, Taker versus Kane, Inferno match. Just seeing those two battling was awe-inspiring. No, uh, no, think, it wasn't. I think that's kind of... The, well, well, if he says it was, then it was to him. But I think that's the, I think that's <laughs> Sorry, the thing, no. isn't it? Any sort of... Um, Undertaker Kane match was was the uh, I'm trying to think of the right phrase, but it was the theatre of the whole thing, wasn't it? It was the storyline and the theatre and the seeing the two monsters as opposed to the you know the catchers catch can wrestling. Yeah, I would think actually if they were honest, those two, and maybe Undertaker's mentioned it on the documentary and I've forgotten it, but I don't know if they're honest. The big thing that was because if you if we were doing again all time greatest under iconic Undertaker opponents. You know, you have to talk about Kane. You'd have to talk about Mankind. You'd have to talk about Batista. You'd have to be talking about, but they're not featuring on our list because the match quality, you know, is down a wee yep. bit. It's not, it's not quite the Shawn Michaels uh, level. But, you know, you'd have to be talking about Kane, wouldn't you, in terms of talking about how important he was to undertake his oh. career. They probably just regret that they never had a match, which was the match where you go, bloody hell, that was good. No, um, they, they never did. Obviously, the closest one was the uh, WrestleMania match, the original match, WrestleMania 14. Um, and that was excellent for what it was trying to do again. But it's, yeah, it's not. doesn't hold a candle to anything we're talking about right now. I don't think so. Right. Uh, any more to add before I run through? Let's, let's, let's narrow that list down, mate. Let's get okay, it done. Well, just, just before we do, I'm just having a little uh, run through of some of your comments. Uh and just to see if um, there was one that Jake Pugh did add as something one we've not really talked about, which was uh, a match against Batista, a Survivor Series is one that he offered. Um, Al Hunter uh, says he loved he loved Ministry Undertaker and enjoyed Stone Cold's first blood match at Fully Loaded. 
Uh, that was one for him. Tom Wells said, I liked how people said, no one else will suggest this, but, uh, and someone that said, no one else will suggest this, but Bret Hart at SummerSlam was like, a few people did suggest that one. But uh, Tom Wells <laughs> said, this, is in, this won't be in anyone else's suggestions, but I think, uh, I remember watching Undertaker versus JBL at uh, SummerSlam in, I think, 2003. Uh, I just happened to watch it age eight or nine, and I loved it, especially seeing Taker chokeslam JBL through the roof of the limo. Maybe not the greatest match, but one that I have a personal connection to. I think that comes into it sometimes, doesn't it? The matches that you yeah. remember at certain eras. I'm not disagreeing with him on that particular point. We're not going to include it on our list, but you know, if that's the way it made you feel and it was at a certain time for you. Um, a couple of people have mentioned the two the Yokozuna casket matches. But I'm, I'm a bit sort of really? like, not quite sure how, how tongue-in-cheek people are with it. But um, certainly one here of... Um, Andy Keenan seems to mention it on a genuine um, point. He says, but he says, take a mankind baller room brawl. Also the 94 rumble casket match and the buried alive matches. He's obviously very fond of the, uh, of the, of the gimmickry. Uh, Richard, Yian Davis, Taker versus HBK and Taker versus mankind. Helen, the cell matches were the best. Terry McGowan says he had a match with Ken Shamrock. Not Terry didn't. I don't, Terry might be a great wrestler, but he means undertaker uh, had a match with Ken Shamrock at backlash 99 that he uh, wants talking about. Uh, we'll see what else to... Punjabi prison match, yeah, right. Uh, any match with HBK, Mick Foley or Triple... We didn't really talk about Triple H, but then I suppose Triple H Undertaker didn't have matches outside of Mania, did they? It was all Mania, wasn't it? It was all Mania. Yeah. Apart all from Mania. the one on the stairs at Penn Street Station, where he oh, tombstone yeah. him on the escalator. <laughs> That's right. Uh, consideration, but great fun. Matt says, for sentimental value, um, Undertaker, Bret Hart, one night only. Yeah, you mentioned that, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, what else is there? King of the Ring. Lots of lot, there were a fair, fair amount of shouts for King of the Ring. We talked about Richard Housen's shout. Harry Guttridge is another one that brings up Kurt Angle's match on SmackDown, and then Graham Elsley, the uh, the 1991 Ultimate Warrior body bag match is what he says. Okay. I think, I think if Ultimate Warrior is breaking into matches of top fives of this quality, then uh, that's an interesting shout. But uh, uh, thank you to everyone. Yeah. That's a dust. Just a selection of the ones that I'd picked out from before. Um, but thank you to everyone that suggested things. Please continue to do that uh, in future weeks. Um, but we need to get our uh, top five sorted out. So we need to first of all, I would say, okay, are we happy right. with two or three of these? Absolutely, definitely going on. So I'm saying uh, the Helena Cell match at Bad Blood. Yes, definitely. Uh, definitely. Yeah, of course. Uh, the the singles match against Kurt Angle definitely uh, uh, unquestionably yeah okay uh, they're the, the absolute two I think are at the top of the list um, I've got two more up, go on I've got, okay, sorry go, go, on. go ahead go on no c- c- continue no you continue well the two more I've got on my list the two that I've got on my list I've got Taker Angle Rock in that Vengeance triple threat agreed I'm well more than happy with that love that match that's three and and I've got Taker Jeff Hardy okay in the ladder okay. Mm-hmm. Um, previously, we said that the kind of gatekeeper on this would be the Undertaker versus Brett. So we've put four in above that. More than happy with those four. Um, so we have to really decide. So let's let's temporarily keep Brett Hart versus Taker from SummerSlam at position number five. Yeah. The question is, does, for example, the 2002 match with Brock Lesnar at No Mercy get in above it? Does the TLC match with Edge get in above it? Um, or perhaps the final four. They're probably the other three to consider. So what would you go for of all of those matches? So we're talking Brock at No Mercy, Edge TLC, Brett at SummerSlam, and the final four. 
I would keep. Actually, we're not Bre- going to say the final four. Are we? we I think we agreed at the time the final four was was too far down. So let's just say those other three: Edge, Brock, Brett. Uh, Brett. Brett. Yeah, I think I think I agree. I think I agree. I think the Brock thing is more the the surroundings and what it did for Brock and the the, the booking. Yeah, and I think agreed. the fact that I, again, I think Edge is a, it's a great series of matches, but I don't think. To the one I picked, just just to do with the fact that the one I picked out was different to the one that you picked out, suggests to me that they don't have a a standout. In fact, if they have a standout, it's WrestleMania. And I think the fact that they had a WrestleMania match, which was better than those other two, kind of taints it in, in terms of this particular conversation. Do you see where I'm coming from? Do yeah, absolutely. I I think that some of some matches better, but I know that's a minority opinion, so I completely get where you're coming from. Okay. Uh, right, so we we've got a five. five. We've got a five. That's that was easy. That was easy. We've ever come to a five. So in no particular order, because they just happen to be the order and they're in on my screen to my right. We are going to say Undertaker versus The Rock and Kurt Angle, Vengeance 2002. Undertaker yes. versus Shawn Michaels, Bad Blood 1997. Undertaker versus Kurt Angle, No Way Out 2006. Undertaker versus Bret Hart, SummerSlam 1997. And Undertaker versus Jeff Hardy, Raw, July 2002, ladder match. Yep. Those are the five. Like I said, I've read them out in the order that they're on my screen. Paul will put them up in either a chronological or alphabetical order, so we're not uh, swaying you one way or another. That vote um, is will be taking place. And for those of you who are watching the video, it's scrolling along now. Look, there it goes. Ooh, um, to vote, go to hookedonwrestling.co.uk forward slash poll. That is hookedonwrestling.co.uk forward slash poll poll well, that is where you vote you just go to that page you click the one you want it will say thank you and then what you should do is spread the word and tell your friends to come and listen to this podcast watch this podcast uh, for if you are still listening to this you can come and watch it if you want to watch it a second time um it is essentially just me and paul talking to one another on the screen but it is just a way of uh, giving you an option and every now and again you get me holding up a little uh, figure like that or paul's son coming in and hogging the microphone but uh, he's still got a better he's still got a better microphone technique than his dad um, anything, else, anything else to add uh, to do with those five before we wrap up and uh, give a little tease for next week? No, I think, you know, considering the quality is so high, I'm surprised we got a five so quickly, but maybe these five just stand out above the rest so much. I'm really, really interested that he's got such a strong body of work outside WrestleMania. For a guy that is so defined by his WrestleMania appearances and his matches, hopefully people once he has retired people won't sleep on everything else he did because as we've sort of proved over the last hour and a half there is so much depth admittedly in a fairly short window you know there's only what uh nine years between all the matches we've put on the list but oh my gosh what what nine years what what a period um so yeah no i i urge people as you sort of touched upon earlier if you're thinking of voting and you're thinking of just going with one that you remember distinctly, for instance, Bad Blood probably being the most famous of these five, do yourself a favor before you click the vote button. Just go and watch the rest. If you've got time, it's only five matches, probably what, two and a half hours, two, two and a half hours in total. Yeah, time. Max, Max, You're all on the WWE network. Get them watched. Um, you really, really won't. You really won't uh, think of it wasted time. No, I wouldn't think so. I think it's absolutely worth watching. I think, the matches that you would put at the top of anyone's list, any any top five match, um, if, you know, if you if you had a wrestling career and these were your best five matches, 
you'd be very, very, very satisfied indeed. And this is without even touching WrestleMania. Even if we were, if we were doing a top five for WrestleMania, we won't because it's a bit trite and easy and, and the match with Sean would win. But even then, trying to narrow it down to five would be hard, I think, at WrestleMania. You'd have the two with Sean. You'd have Undertaker versus Triple H in the cell. But after that, you go, Orton, does Orton get in there? Edge, yep. Batista, CM Punk. You know, the first match with Triple H. It would be hard just to get a five on, on the WrestleMania front. Um, Too right. So fair, fair play um, to Undertaker for everything, for the career, for WrestleMania, for these matches. And we will be celebrating that properly once again. I cannot plug this enough. Undertaker weekend at hookedonwrestling.co.uk. We have um, our Sunday night quiz is going to be an Undertaker special for the first time. Actually, you can do a bit of prep this week. You can yep. do a bit of learning about Undertaker, learn some things. Um, we may well be taking some questions from things that are on the site. So make sure you read up what's on the site and look within there. Um, but you can actually do some prep on the topic. Normally we spring it on you. Uh, so there's one thing. Like I said, the giveaway, don't forget you can win Undertaker mug, shirt, um, it's a giveaway that ends on Friday night, but there'll be more over the weekend, plus lots and lots of articles. And we've got a, a, a burgeoning team of writers here. Uh, and I've already seen some of the stuff that they've written, which will be gradually put up over the weekend, all about different takes on Undertaker's career. And it won't be people writing for 500 words going, Undertaker was good, wasn't he? I liked him when he wrestled Sean. But there'll be a little bit more to it than that. So plenty to think about. Uh, all weekend as far as The Undertaker goes. Uh, anything else to add on a website and plugging front, Paul, before I just let everyone know what we're going to be talking about next week? No, uh, I just, just to remind you guys of the socials, we're on uh, Facebook at facebook.com forward slash hooked on wrestling. Same with Instagram, instagram.com forward slash hooked on wrestling and on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash ho underscore wrestling or i suppose it's just at ho underscore wrestling if you're on twitter already so please do engage with us we're getting a load of people you know getting involved now we've got the website it's been a big success you know what we've wanted to do is get people engaged much more of the year round rather than just our events um we had our biggest day ever rob yesterday did you know that we broke our oh, record no, I didn't know that. Fantastic. yeah we did it was fantastic phenomenal um so please carry on supporting the website we really thank you for it so far uh, make it part of your daily routine and um and yeah look forward to speaking to you again next week and enjoy undertaker weekend enjoy all the stuff enjoy the last ride um i certainly will i'll be there three o'clock life stops for me at three o'clock on a sunday at the moment um that takes priority and it will this week as well even though it's father's day Oh, is it Father's Day this weekend? Okay, cool. There's something yep. else. That, that would have been a good theme for the quiz if it wasn't for the... Uh, what's it would, the, wouldn't we, it? We, we'll hold that back a week. So we might have a delayed Father's Day quiz. Yeah, month. maybe, maybe. And in fact, we have a delayed podcast because the original topic for this week was going to be something different. And then we worked out what was happening around Undertaker and we just sw switched a things, few things around. So next week will be the topic that we were, go were going to be doing this week. Uh, what it is, it's probably our most straightforward question uh, today it's the one that has a, a limited field there's only a certain amount of people that we'll be able to talk about um, but I do think it's an interesting debate we will be talking about next week uh, who is the best king of the ring winner yep and we can take that in lots of directions is it the best person that has won king of the ring is it the best king of the ring tournament itself the best final the most memorable what it did for the person all sorts of things it won't just be a, a, you know, a one-sided discussion. There's lots of ways we can take that. We will go through the history of King of the Ring. We will decide who it did the best for, who did the best with it. Um, next week, the best King of the Ring winner. So there's a small field to choose from. Over the coming few days, uh, we will be putting that question to you 
on social media. I mean, you can get in touch with us first, of course, at all the socials that Paul's just mentioned. But at some point, we'll be putting the questions on Twitter, Facebook, etc. Um, please respond with who and indeed why. Give us a little bit more than just, I think it's, you know, Owen Hart because dot, dot, dot. And, you know, give us some uh, nice bits of feedback for us to think about. We will narrow that quite small field down to five next week and give you another poll. And indeed, we will reveal the winners of this week's poll for the first time on the podcast. We always reveal it for the first time. So to find out if the match that you voted for as Undertaker's best non-WrestleMania match uh, has won, the best place to best thing to do is to download this podcast next week on your normal uh, podcast app or indeed try us out on YouTube. Um, if, if you can see me waving, that's what you've done just now. So thank you for this. Paul waving as well. Um, what a, what a, bonus that is that you can just be <laughs> waving on youtube but the, the reason we've done it is because we've heard that there's been lots of other podcasts that have got a lot of um traffic through that a lot of people prefer to use youtube these days because of youtube premium and various other things we're not pretending to you that we're bringing you a, an unbelievable show visually um but it's just if it helps you to uh, to listen to this then uh, that's uh, that's all we can do really um so we really appreciate it wherever you've come from thank you for listening uh, thank you for your support of the website uh, and please please join us for undertaker weekend we can't wait to share that with you but for now from paul benson and myself rob mcnichol thank you very much for joining us on the how to be great podcast and just remember it's wrestling enjoy it we'll see you very soon <laughs>